Hey everyone, welcome to All Things Evangelism. We're super stoked that you're listening in today. Our podcast is episode number 10 in our Why Evangelism Doesn't Work series. And this episode is entitled Evangelism's Key Ingredient. And I'm here with a good friend. Well, not a good friend, but a person I'm favorably acquainted to. (laughs) Hello. Hey, her name is Jasmine Bell, and she works as a... Bible worker up in Raymond Terrace. In Raymond Terrace at the church plant there. Yes. Church, we say church plant, but Raymond Terrace, for the sake of our audience here, is not a church plant anymore. It's actually... No, it just became a full church, which be, is very exciting. Hey, that's super cool. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Man, I um remember when the church plant got started just a few years ago, and uh, hallelujah. Yeah. It's a church now. And yeah, so Jasmine, you Bible work. For the, and you've been doing this for the last year. Yes, since around about a little bit earlier than this time last year, I started up there. That's right. We're super happy to have you. You've got a really cool story, and hopefully maybe you can tell it to the people who listen to my podcast uh, in the future. Oh, that'd be my pleasure. But we're having you here today to talk about this subject. This is a series for all the, all the guys who are tuning in for the first time called Why Evangelism Doesn't Work. Mm-hmm. And we don't call the series that because we think evangelism doesn't work. We just think that there are certain mindsets that impede our evangelistic success. And so we're just kind of addressing those in this podcast and having different episodes where we have fun conversations and we consider scripture uh, and various topics that relate to outreach ministry and evangelism. So today's topic is evangelism's key ingredient. Awesome. So I'm just going to like pass the baton to you as I typically do in this podcast. Um, You do Bible work and your whole life revolves around doing outreach ministry and evangelism. So what is the, you know, evangelism's key ingredient from your perspective? And and we both acknowledge and can understand that there's lots of key ingredients to success in evangelistic outreach. But mm, yeah. from your standpoint, just from where you're sitting, what do you think is a, or if you want to say, the key ingredient to evangelism, to, evangelism, yeah. to success in outreach ministry yeah well look as a bible worker that's what you're doing constantly you're uh, you're analyzing okay what is really the thing that is drawing people here how am i um going to use the thing that's going to get people um, into a relationship with god the most and from personal experience and then from studying on this topic i really believe it is a sincere genuine love um first for god and other people right and, you know, we can dive into that and go further. But um, it's very interesting when we look at Jesus, because we should always look at Jesus. He yeah. was the, the perfect evangelist. He's won the most hearts, um, done all those things. And how did he do it? He didn't, he wasn't primarily, um, you know, working off a set of um, these are our points. And if you get them in the right order at the right timing, then people are going to... Um, come come unto him but he was so outward focused he was like i'm just gonna love other people and if they love me back then hallelujah (laughs) praise the lord yeah it's interesting Um, because you're making me think of my kids and usually every conversation i have in this podcast or in every sermon it always goes back to the kids right yeah because that's where i'm at in life at the moment but uh i watch how they interact with others and i notice that they like some people more than others. I think my kids are pretty friendly kids and they like 
people and mm-hmm. we teach them as best as we can to be kind and, and, and open-hearted to other people. But you can't help as an individual person to have preferences and whatever. And there's preferences that, you know, just people you like, people you don't, personality types you like, personality types that don't jive with you and some that do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I, I, I notice one kind of thing that streams through all of their interactions with people. And that is that they seem to like those the most who like them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like all the people that I can say, I know my kids really love them. It's usually a person who I can see on some level has been able to communicate successfully to my kids that they really, really like them. Yeah. So we like those who we think like us. We value those who we think value us. And so if that kind of permeates our perspective, like if we, if we, so it's just, you're making me think of that, right? Cause yeah, yeah. if, I really, truly, honestly care about someone that's going to show in one way, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah. And people are going to want to respond to that. They usually will naturally respond to that. And so sometimes we're, we're always thinking so much about how do we win this person? How do we win that person? Maybe we should take a few steps back and say, maybe I should just care about them. Do I even care about them? Actually. Yeah. not use them as a means to an end, but actually care about them. So you're saying, so in your perspective and you're thinking evangelism's key ingredient to success is actually, truly, genuinely caring. Yes. Yep. And then that will then lead you to practical and specific ways to reach out. Mm, because just like your, the, your kids and we all can tell very quickly, if someone's faking, like actually liking us, or liking spending time with us, <laughs> totally. it's not hard to be like, oh, well, <laughs> yes. uh, I don't think they really enjoyed that, <laughs> you know? Dude, have you ever had a friend who's like, or like a friend or an acquaintance who's like, so Jasmine, um, and then they ask you a question like, so what do you think about this politician? You know? And then, yeah. then you're like, okay, so, and you start to talk, and about two sentences in, they're just kind of like looking off. Yeah, yeah look at this like guy. Totally not listening to Oh, I got a you. phone call, yeah. I, okay, so there's this guy, I don't want to mention his name. He's someone that I, I've known in the past. And, oh man, I want to say his name, but I can't. Because it, it's, it's just, it seems so mean that I'm saying this, but it's it's mean that he does this. So I, he's like, so mad. And by the way, he's an Australian. So mad, <laughs> you know, you've been surfing lately? I'm like, yeah, man, you know, I surfed the other day at Catho. It was really fun, the wind was offshore. And like in two seconds, he's like, he kind of shakes his head like he's listening, but he's like off looking <laughs> yeah. at the clouds, looking here. And then like he notices that he's supposed to be listening to you and he's like, oh yeah. And, he starts looking <laughs> and it fully doesn't fit with whatever you just yeah, said. Yeah, totally. He's just like, he, he knows that he's supposed to want to listen, mm-hmm. but he doesn't want to listen. And he doesn't have in himself the willingness to just choose. Like, I'm going to focus on what Matt says. I'm going to listen to Matt. I'm going to care about Matt. And sometimes I think it takes that. Like you don't have to always be a good listener or really genuinely care about others, but you can choose yeah. to 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 force yourself in a way to like I'm just going to care about this person, which just amounts to I'm going to put them first in this interaction and be considerate mm-hmm. towards them. Yeah, because I think that Jesus, when he talks about this in Matthew, I think it's 22, yeah. and he talks about the the. Uh, what do the law and the commandments hang on? They hang on loving God and they hang on loving other people. Yeah. Um, like his biddings are his enablings. So if he tells us to love other people, it's a thing that we can 
we can we do. can achieve but we're not talking about evangelism's key ingredient to say like oh if you don't love people that's sad for you you can't right. evangelize we're saying like you can do this you just you got to cultivate that right. kind of spirit that that Jesus had where he was like oh I really want to help you yeah and then let me tell you about my father who loves you so it is like it's like it's impossible just like walking on water is impossible but if Jesus says to do it and you obey in faith then mm-hmm. you can do it yeah you can do the impossible we can't really love people we can't really care about people like in our natural selfish sinful selves like but if I through faith in God's word mm-hmm. and the faith of Jesus say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and I commit myself to the word of God. Mm-hmm. Then I can love people. I can yeah. care about people and put them first and I can love God. That's a good thought. You know, it's funny. What do you think about this? Because I think about this a lot of times. Jesus says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Mm-hmm. And I've just been doing a podcast with a friend like in this series called We Don't Love Each Other. It was a special edition. We did three parts and it was about racial relationships and wow. um, cultural differences. And how, you know, just based on all the things that are happening in the States and the, and the riots and whatnot. Yeah. So he's my uh, African-American friend. We love each other. We're good friends. It's heart to heart. It's brother to brother. We totally, truly embrace each other and love each other as really good friends. And uh, his name is Jasper. And I thought it's really going to be good for people to listen to, to a black guy and a white guy who love each other, mm. talking about scripture and considering ways that the black community and white community can be one. And then in the church, how do we deal with our differences, you know, yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, so in, in that converse, I don't know why I brought that up just now, but the point I wanted to make to you is, <laughs> is it, it just, it has to do with this, I think. It, what if someone doesn't naturally feel, right? Yeah. Like for another person. Yeah, So yeah. what if everything in you in a moment of time when you're interacting with another person is like, you're afraid, you're insecure, you're scared, you're not comfortable, you're not feeling favorable towards this person. But yet, in order for evangelism to work, we have to care for other people, whether mm-hmm. they're in or out of the church and manifest a spirit of love. What do you do? Mm. Like, because, because it's like, okay, well, I guess I can't love people. I guess I can't put people first. Do you know? Mm. Well, that, what's the, what's, what's the, what happens? Because I'm sure lots of people feel that way. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and that's our natural tendency, I'd say, is to totally be um, insecure in some way, shape or form with everyone we come into contact with because we're all better at different things or yeah. um, have different opinions. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in because yeah. we have to rely not on our own strength but in but in His power to get on with every person because He created them and loves them. So we yeah. kind of love them through Him. Totally. Well, you know, I, I have like, kind of two feelings about this yeah and well I, I think there's two solutions so I don't care I don't right and I'm supposed to I have to so in evangelism and I want to get to other key ingredients too like what yeah, I think yeah. is a key ingredient of success in evangelism but I love this like conversation so if a key ingredient to success in evangelism is loving God and loving other people. And I don't love someone that I'm interacting with or whatever, and I'm not caring for them. What do I do? I think one practical thing you do is you obviously deeper and more meaningful connection with God. Mm-hmm. So sweeping away things in my lives, life that, that distract me from God and spend more time engaging with God personally through meditation and contemplation of his word. 
So the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. And so I hear the word of God more and I have more faith. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Yeah, yeah. So my feelings, according to the Bible, can betray me. 1 John 3, 20 says, if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. Or in other words, like take God, not your heart for your guide, for your compass, right? So it's like, I'm not feeling love. I'm not feeling concern for someone else, but who cares? I walk by faith and not by sight. Um, and so anyways, I guess I'm, so here's my thought. <laughs> I'm a bit rambling, yeah. but I think I'm making sense. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's like answer number one to what do I do if I don't love people the way that I should, or I'm not caring for someone, and this is the secret ingredient to evangelism, so I need to. Um, I spend more time with God. That increases my faith. Number two, I disregard my feelings and act in faith mm -hmm. because that's what makes me human. I'm not an animal who's driven by instinct. I'm a human being who's controlled by the power of the will. So you're saying that not necessarily the spending time with God acts you actually changes that feeling that makes you want to love people right. or you just Both. you it it enables you to just love anyway so it's almost like this it's like it's like i'll fill my tank with god which will help me feel better about other people that's one way to deal with my lack of love for others right so mm -hmm. fill your tank your love tank with god your associating with god changes you it converts you it transforms you so that then when you do interact with others you care about them more right so let's so fill your heart with god and then you can dispense that to other people right that's yeah. one answer the other answer is is when your heart's empty and you're dealing with someone else act like it's not because yeah. you're not an animal who's driven by instinct you know what i'm trying to say you walk yeah, by yeah. faith and not yeah, by sight yeah. so sometimes it's like we suppose that until you feel you can't do but sometimes you do and then you feel yeah do you know what i mean yeah yeah that's that's yeah i think that's perfect because it leads on to the natural next step because we talk about like sincere love and um you know that like you were saying that's something you can feel towards someone like oh wow i really care about you yeah. but then sincere love is actually put into action like you 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 do you act on that you act because of that totally. and that is what evangelism is it's that um acting on like oh hey i really care about you i want you to know the lord or, yes. hey, I really care about you. I want to heal you from whatever sickness you're going through. Mm -hmm. I want to sit with you and talk about this issue in your life. And that's yeah. that action is something that we can we can choose to do yeah. um, as Jesus did, even if we don't have the sincere feeling. Absolutely. I'm into it. You know, I like your whole idea, too, in regards to sincerity and like sincere caring for others. I think that's such a simple but like wise observation. And. I've learned that in evangelism, like attracts like, right? Mm. And I heard a pastor say one time that you win people, what you win people with is what you win people to. Yeah. If you win people with sincerity, you win people to sincerity, Yeah. right? Yeah. If you win people to a show, you've won, or with a show, you've won people to a show. What you win people with is what you win people to. Yeah. So if we want sincere converts, we need to be sincere communicators, like, sincere in our love for God and sincere in our love for other people. And then that, you know, we create disciples after ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, generally speaking, right? Um, and obviously people grow out of their conversion state, but just like a baby born in a home, they adopt the attitudes and dispositions that are in that home. Um, what you win people with is what you win them to. As they're born again into a certain environment, that's what they're born into, spiritually speaking. So if we want 
sincere converts. We need to be sincere converters. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that actually, it comes to when I was thinking about this topic, I was thinking about my own experience. Yeah. And that fully wasn't the mindset that I went into Bible working with. I was kind of more like reflecting on it now. I was more like, it is my duty as a Christian to tell other people about God. Yeah. And that was the kind of approach that I took. And I could see that coming out in the responses that, you know, you get from... Mechanical evangelist, mechanical responses. Exactly. And I realized that like, oh, this isn't actually the results that I wanted. I need to change I need to change my attitude. I'm like, okay, what do I really want? Uh, I want people to really love God. What do I need to do? Oh, I need to really love other people. Dude, you know what's so crazy? When Jesus came to save the world, like, okay, God sends messages through prophets, right? Mm -hmm. And those messages guide and direct and they bring light, right? But the saving act of God on behalf of the human race was not giving a law. It was giving himself. Yeah. Oh, yes. So the, the secret, one of the secret ingredients or secret keys to success in evangelism, or that's not what we're titling this thing. It's, <laughs> but it's it, evangelism's key ingredient. Yeah, that idea. Is giving yourself, not just like a rule book. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, I see where you're going with this. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, so... We just, I don't know, we just want to give someone steps to salvation rather than giving ourselves to them mm. so they can follow us into salvation. Mm. Oh, and you know, um, kind of two thoughts that are... So it's very mechanical is what I'm saying. Yeah, so yeah. So we just make it so procedurally based, our outreach. And I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to tell them to do this and I'm going to tell them to do that. And it's not as if that's a bad thing. But ultimately speaking, in order to save people, God gave himself. And he requires us, in order to save people, to give ourselves. So we're giving ourselves to the people we're trying to win, in a sense. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just about, like, winning people is not just about, like, me telling them the right things to do. Yeah. It's me, like, giving myself to them and offering myself for their sake to be at their disposal as their mentor, friend, brother, sister, son, daughter, you know, um, family member, whatever you need. I'm here for you. And yes, I can share with you what God says and say, okay, God is leading you here or leading you there. But that in itself is not the key to success. Yeah. It's giving yourself. Truly. A hundred percent. And the way that that's so cool is you can tell, oh, okay, is it following that, that, that law or is it giving yourself to other people? Well, Jesus says that I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. He was an embodied. Yeah. He's an embodiment. Yeah. It's so good. You know, I think a key ingredient to evangelistic success is balancing, like, how do I say this? Balancing rules, mm -hmm. like rules that guide you in what you do, like the rules of evangelistic success with the spirit of evangelistic success. Yeah. So this is what I mean by the rules of evangelistic success. So I, so as an evangelist, you learn some stuff, like you learn some secrets to success. And so let's say as a Bible worker, Forget the evangelist, like a public evangelist, but like as a Bible worker, you'll learn that usually it's good to, after you've studied the Bible with someone, to leave. Yeah. Just to leave their house because you don't want to dilute the information you've just shared mm -hmm. with just casual conversations afterwards. So in most cases, it's good. Like you hang out, talk, socialize, have a fun time, be social, but then share the study and then leave. Yeah. And the reason why is because you want to leave the people with the thoughts. You want to leave the people with Jesus. You want to leave the people with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. 
that's a general rule. But there are times where, say, maybe the study, you know, brought something out of their heart that was like hidden deep underneath the surface. And now they're having like this really crazy moment of they're breaking down emotionally or they're remembering some past hurt or something. And so now you have to just abandon the rule, right? So it's like in successful evangelistic outreach, you've got to, there's certain th- there's certain rules you can develop that can guide you. Like mm-hmm. I do this, I do the do's and don'ts. I do this, I don't do that. I do this, I don't do that. And if I follow all these do's and don'ts, then I'll succeed. Yeah, that's okay to have those rules, but in order to, to succeed, you need to have a balance between the rules of what you should do and you shouldn't do, and just like be led of the spirit of God. Yeah, be emotionally intelligent and and whatnot. But I guess this takes time. Yeah, to develop that you know understanding and savvy. But you get the point that I'm making. Yeah, yeah. And it comes down to what we're talking about, like earlier. It's an experience. Evangelism is an experience Mm -hmm. that you can't, you you just can't teach someone this is, this is how to do evangelism. And then you watch them go and like convert the city. Like it doesn't work that way. If you you just do this formula, if you just read this manual and apply the manual, you will do it. Dude, honestly, when people have that thinking and and I'm not being patronizing or condescending, at least I don't think I am, do you? No, no. I always just think you just don't have much experience. Yeah. Like rule books are fine as a guide or as a, well, I'll learn from your experience, but your rule book is just what happened to work for you in yeah. one particular circumstance. And anyone who's got a breadth of experience and a depth of knowledge in soul winning and evangelism will all say there's some general guidelines that should guide all of your outreach ministry, some basic biblical principles, but within the framework that can be developed out of those principles, you have to figure a lot out. Yeah. Because every individual is different. Every circumstance is different. And uh, and there's some general principles that can guide you in your interactions with others, but there's no specific precise instruction manual. Exactly. Do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. It's, it's like, crazy. It's like because, you know, maybe you've gone on a Bible study with someone to watch how they do it, something you really respect. Right. You're like, oh, okay, how would you do a Bible study on this particular topic? And maybe something happens, a person is like really moved and they share something and yeah. and you end up afterwards, you're like, how did you know to talk about this specific thing? Or how did yeah. you know not to... Um, not to keep going with that or to yeah. go way longer than you should have gone. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, I just know because... Intuition. Yeah. Well, there's things you pick up that you're not necessarily conscious of over time. And there's so much intuition involved in soul winning ministry. And there's so much study of minds and people and personalities. And, and over time, you develop certain ability to know certain things. And you can't, until you've had experience, mm-hmm. know some things, you know, because some things can only be learned through experience, not through... In, in instruction, just verbal instruction there. Which is why we don't really find in the scripture like Jesus saying, this is the ways in which if you do Jesus this, you should teach the, the yep. kingdom of God. He, yep. he sends out, he sends out the disciples, he sends out the 72, he sends out... And he sends people. them out pretty green, right? Yeah. Like how much instruction did they have at, before the first missionary journey? Like not a ton. No. Dude, what about like, I guess like David and Saul is a good example of what you're saying fighting in your own armor mm-hmm. and developing over time an understanding of what your armor is, right? So armor is a good thing. Like when I'm saying there's a difference between like general principles and then your particular method yeah. of using yeah, and applying yeah. those general principles. It's like the general principles is like armor is a generally good thing. If you're going to go to war with a sword <laughs> and a spear, it's good to wear armor, Yeah. but you need to, but, but, but 
but you need to have armor that suits you, that fits you, and you have to fight in your own armor. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for David, that meant like to take all the armor off <laughs> yeah. and just grab a sling and do a whole different way of fighting. Um, and I think that's a perfect metaphor for success and mission and outreach ministry. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, armor is a good idea. Like, yeah, there's great principles, do's and don'ts, but how do you fight in your armor? Yeah. So I want to throw this out here and just be like the last little part of the conversation. Yeah. So we don't tire our listeners. <laughs> Even though nobody gets tired of listening to us, Jess. <laughs> um, so, okay. I, I, have, I have this idea. And I think it's true. And I could be so bold as to say, this is the, the key yes. to evangelistic success. The key. Send it. What it's is like it? the key behind all keys, right? <laughs> um, Big it's, build it's, up. It's, it's evangelism's key ingredient, mm -hmm. without which no true evangelism, no, no evangelism can truly succeed. Mm -hmm. You get no true su success. Okay, here we go. I've, I've built it up, and this is going to be very anticlimactic. No, I need a drum, drum roll now. <laughs> That's right. It's, and we've, we've touched on it with a lot of what we've said, but scripturally, it's dying for people. Well said. So the disciples wanted to win the world, mm -hmm. but they didn't realize that winning the world meant dying for it. Mm. So can I be on your right hand or on your left hand? They're not running away from Jesus when he's coming to Jerusalem and there's large crowds hailing him as the king. When he's feeding the 5,000 and they want to make him king, they're pretty stoked about that. They're running away from Jesus when he's dying on the cross for people, but that was the act that offered salvation to yeah. the entire planet. Yeah. So it required the life of the Son of God to offer and bring salvation to the world and to make an atonement on God's on, on humanity's behalf. Mm -hmm. uh, to pay the ransom that was owed, the debt of, of that was owed to the law of God. Uh, so the Bible, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, something kind of interesting. He says to the Corinthian church, death has to work in me in order for life to work in you. Mm. And he's touching on the fact that like, I have to die to myself to give you life. It's a sacrifice I have to make of myself in order to save you. So behind, I think all successful evangelism is that willingness to lay your life down for someone else's. And that's exactly what you were kind of saying at the yeah. beginning, right? Um, but I'm just saying it in a different way. And Jesus says in John 12, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground yeah. and it dies, yeah. it remains alone. To me, that's the, that's the key ingredient. And um, it, like whatever methods you use, it requires, it's going to, success requires you to die. Mm -hmm. You just have to lay your life down. And it, it's, it's a terrible price to have to pay, but it's what's required. Yeah, and there's joy that comes in in the sufferings of Christ and partaking of the sufferings he did. Like you said earlier that um, uh, the Bible quotes that all, all by this all men will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. Um, that's the kind of love he was talking about because he also says, follow me. And if we follow Jesus, where did he end up? He, end up, he ended up on the cross. So. Well, I find it so funny, and you might find this. Uh, you, you're in a different position in, in your life and in your ministry. We're very different. You're a girl, I'm a guy. You're young, I'm old. You don't have kids or a family. I have kids in the family. 
you're on a missionary journey. I'm an employee of the church. You know, there's so many differences between you and I. I've been yeah. preaching for as long as you've been alive, right? Like, how old are you? 19. Yeah. I was converted and I, was, I preached my first evangelistic campaign like when you were like sucking a. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you're not a full fledged missionary of God, right? That deserves total respect mm. for your calling. Um, but we're just, we're positioned very differently. But something I see that just, it just puzzles me. Like it just puzzles me mm. how people suppose that if they just find the right method, It'll be really easy. It's so modern world thinking. It's such modern mm. world thinking. Like, if you just find that product that it's it's basically the view that's based on commercials that people have watched selling products. Like yep, if you we just found this one product, if you could just find this one formula, this one way of doing evangelism, you'd win tons of people and it'd be really easy. And nobody would hate you mm. and nobody would misrepresent you. And the devil would not oppose you and people would just march into the church, you know, and, and this thinking is so preposterous because <laughs> Jesus did everything right in his ministry. And where did he end up? On the cross. He had every one of those problems. In his he had every one of those problems. So if you do everything perfectly right, and if your methods are perfectly in harmony with the will of God, and if you don't even sin once, guess where you probably will end up? At the cross. At the cross. It, it, that's just the, that's the cost. That's the price you have to pay for evangelistic success. Will you follow God to the point and will you give your life to the point that is required for other people to be saved? Hmm. And if you're not, if you're just going to be the formula method, like go on your like lifelong search for the perfect method, well, you'll be searching forever and winning no one. And methods, the best methods for evangelism, I find, are born out of trying to do stuff. Yeah. Really giving your best. Um, and anyway, so I think that's the secret ingredient. It's just basically this saying, we're going to die for this. This is this is something we're going to fully be into. I saw this. Um, I'm blabbing on here. Interrupt me whenever you want. You're yeah, just such no, a it's polite awesome. listener. <laughs> I hope I didn't intimidate you by saying that whole, like, I was preaching when you were... Well, no, 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 it's inspiring because I'm, like, I'm looking oh, at my so equal, true. like I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, okay, you're my, I literally think, okay, here, you're someone who has a lot to contribute and valuable thoughts, but it's like, whoa, I was alive way longer. Anyways, this is, it shows <laughs> when you get old, you don't realize that you're getting old, but it, it, so I was going to say that, have you, like, there's this movie I saw once called Friday Night Lights mm. and it, it's a pretty good movie, like as far as the storyline, it's a team of kids. It's a, it's based on a true story of a West Texas football team. Yeah. And they're in a high school where people spend obscene amounts of money to support this program. Mm -hmm. And the coach of the high school team made the equivalent of like today's 200,000 bucks a year back in the 1980s. Yeah. He's making like 70,000 bucks US at that time, which was like a lot of money. Ooh. And uh, it's because there was a bunch of oil money and they had this huge stadium and anyways. It's like a cult. Football's a cult there. <laughs> and this team was a good team, but it, its hopes for winning the state championship was based on one player, this running back who was just like the best, one of the best in the country. Mm -hmm. And so like the third game of the season, this kid gets hurt. And they have to, the, the kids just start losing a few games, but then they buckle down and start winning. And they just have to win with grit and toughness. So the movie is following their season to the state championship. And they get to the state championship and 
they're lo- they're getting smashed the first half of the game, and then the second half of the game, it's like right before the first half ends, they get like a turnover and a touchdown, and mm-hmm. then they go into the halftime fired up, like okay, we can we can do this. The other team's bigger, they're better, they're smashing us, but let's they're humans, man. Yeah. Let's let's give it to them. Let's let's go. And so the team as a collective has to kind of make this decision, like there's no way we can win this. This is just impossible, but we can give everything and just die for it. Like mm-hmm. we'll just die for it. And they have to do this. And so there's a speech that the coach gives. And throughout the whole movie, the coach is saying to the team, can you be perfect? The whole, t- the whole, the whole season, he's like, can you be perfect? Can you be perfect? Because it's going to take perfection to win. Can you be perfect? And he's mm-hmm. always just driving this in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be perfect. You have to be perfect. And so the whole movie, you don't know, like, does he mean perfect? Like in the strictest sense, like you don't make one possible mistake. And, uh, and then he's given the speech. Like at the typical movie thing, right? Like yeah, he's just giving yeah, the, yeah. the rah-rah speech to go win the game. And he says to the kids, he points at the running back that was hurt in the season, and he says, you know, he died to be on the field. This guy who can't play, who was the hope of our success, he can't mm-hmm. play right now. He's not on the field, but you're you're here. Mm-hmm. And he would die to trade places with you. And don't forget that. And some of you are playing your last the last game you'll ever play in your whole lives. This is it. Like, you're going to graduate high school. You're not going to go to college. This is your last game to ever play. So you're playing right now, the last game you'll ever play. Yeah. And you're playing on a field that your champion, your hero, would die to play on right now. And then he says, you hear me talking about being perfect all the time. You hear me talk about being perfect. He says, do you want, you want to know what perfect is? It's not what's on the scoreboard. It's, it's not what the scoreboard says. He says, being perfect is walking off the field and looking your brothers who were on the field with you, looking at them in the face and knowing that you're telling the truth when you say to them, there was nothing else you could have done Mm. to help the team win. If you can say that, you're perfect. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. It's so good. (laughs) And so I think it's the same, right? Like, secret system evangelism is like being like that team and they they went out the second half and they almost won mm. but they lost <laughs> like one point but they were perfect yeah because they laid it down and they did it for uh, to win a, f- a football championship mm. um but they they were able to and i think that's true success because isn't that what jesus did like he kind of he comes up short in a sense like but it, that dying on the cross and giving his life for many and then he's resurrected Mm. and becomes like our Moses who leads us to the promised land. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. And he goes straight to the father to say, hey, was this enough? I gave it my all. Yeah. Didn't work. That's right. Did yeah. I give enough for the sake of, of the lost end? Yeah, so good. Well, Jazz, thanks. Oh, well, thanks for having me around. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, you know, it's funny because I noticed a few weeks ago, I was like, man, we, we haven't had many girls on the podcast. And we got female Bible workers and, Venture song yesterday, so that was kind of cool. Yeah. Too much, you know, grouchy masculinity. <laughs> so it's nice to have some sweetness. <laughs> oh, well, you're very welcome. Yeah, no, no so join it, join it anytime. And guys, thanks for joining us. I hope that you enjoyed some of the thoughts that we shared and can be uplifted and challenged and blessed and inspired uh, to whatever your methods or approaches, whatever your plans or your strategies. Yeah, you want to consult God about them and you want them to be smart and intelligent. And that's all good and that's fantastic, but I want to exhort you in the name of the Lord and in the, mm. through the testimony of Scripture. Evangelism's key ingredient is a willingness to die for people, is giving your life for the sake of others. 
all success, whatever the methods are that are being used, that's the foundational underlying principle that guides it. So anyways, God bless you guys. Take care and we'll see you next time. Amen. Yeah, bye.